Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Have you ever built something from scratch? Have you designed a building or a room or even picked a new throw pillow for your couch? That was one of the first things I noticed about Life in Deep Ellum because we have a lot of architects in here. A lot of people that are creative in building something. And I made the, mis- the mistake of telling LaShonda that I designed my office. Do you remember this? Yeah, I'm going to call you out on what happened. Because I was like showing her and I was so excited about my desk and everything. And I was like, look, look, LaShonda, I designed this. And she goes, you didn't design this. Leslie designed this office (laughs) and it was a bit less sassy than that. I may be exaggerating a bit, but she quickly, she quickly reminded me y'all that, um, there was work before the decorating. I decorated my office. Okay. I did not design the office. So, um, we have a lot of designers here. Okay, it takes faith in something unseen to create something new. This whole building itself is a dream that was slowly built into reality. And it took years of imagination and dreaming and planning and renovating and drawing plans up to make this dream come true. I like hearing Carrie tell me about Mocha's original decor, which I was not the decorator of Mocha's original decor, but I will say I'm intrigued by the red walls, apparently, and the chandeliers that were once there. These walls can talk. We'll need to see some pictures, yeah. What would they say? Tell me. Well, I'll tell you what they would say. (laughs) The book of Hebrews says that God is an architect. Have you ever heard that? We have a lot of words for God, but architect is actually one of them. God has always had the bravery and creativity and boldness to create what wasn't there before. And God was really starting from scratch, okay? Like there were no chandeliers to take down or wallpaper to rip off and it wasn't a quick paint job and there were no hopes of real hardwood lying beneath the layers of shag carpet. (laughs) There was no (laughs) blueprint to follow or architecture firm to consult with. And if you can even imagine to create this reality, this ultimate universe creation that we live in, that task was even harder than renovating an abandoned warehouse. It was even harder than that. Can you imagine? There was nothingness. Well, not exactly nothing. There was always God. There was always Godness, goodness. There was always this pure love of God in its purest essence. But God said, you know what? Something's missing. God had 
faith in the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, which is the definition of faith according to the book of Hebrews. The worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what was seen was made from things that are not visible. I love this phrase for a few reasons. The worlds were prepared by the word of God. This means that the, that God spoke the earth into creation. And we know this from Genesis chapter 1. You might remember in the beginning was when God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light. And there was light. So yes, God created the universe we find ourselves in with the word, with God's voice. But this phrase from Hebrews has another meaning too. And maybe you've heard the first lines of the book of John. Does this ring a bell? And if it doesn't, that's okay. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. The word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. So part of God's way of separating the light and the darkness, part of God's creative process was to meet us halfway in the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord. But this word made flesh is even bigger, you see, than the historical earthly life of Jesus, the man of Nazareth. It's even bigger than that because the word was with God in the beginning and all things came into being through Christ. It's pretty mysterious and kind of hard to wrap your mind around. The word, the rhythm, the sound of God sounds like Christ. And this sound echoes into creation and separates light from dark. Sounds like a movie that Hulu should produce or Disney+. Plus. Sounds pretty cool, huh? So this, this faith thing is, is kind of about that. But it's about that in us. Let me see if I can break it down. Faith, which is a big topic in the book of Hebrews, has always been used in sort of a shamey way. It's been described as this absolute certainty you have to have. And we have all kinds of ways of testing someone's faith, don't we? Do you believe all scripture is inerrant? Do you believe this? Do you believe that? But really, this way that the book of Hebrews describes faith is less about what you actually believe and more about how you live. And how you love and how you let God love through you. That's what faith is. What I mean is that faith is not a destination in and of itself. Faith is an action, a creative process, a practice of creating worlds that were previously unseen. 
It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the kind of faith that makes you audacious enough to think that maybe a Friday night mission could be more than that. And maybe an old warehouse could be more than that. And maybe a faith community called Deep Elm Church could be more than that. And maybe a faith community called Life in Deep Elm could be just that. Faith isn't this idea you ascribe to or a box you check once you have it. And that would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Although some people love to tell us about their faith. Oh, they love it, don't they? But I'm more interested in what they have faith in. Not just faith in God, but the faith in what God can do in a particular place. The faith in what God can do in a particular place. See, the book of Hebrews isn't called the book of all reality or all truth. It is, it is named after a specific group of people in a specific time. Jesus came to save the whole world, but he lived in Nazareth. You know what I'm saying? He had a place. He cared about places and people. And oh, how we have gotten it wrong. Oh, how we have gotten off beat when we have made faith a formless void without location. That's not how God creates. How then could God separate light from darkness? How then could God create particular animals and particular humans that have particular needs? Location matters. Are you starting to hear the sound of faith? And don't forget about the architecture thing. See, God is so much more than a temple or a steeple or a building that is already built and finished. Oh my Lord. God is so much more than a tradition that's been perfected. The book of Hebrews tells us that God is an architect. It says that Abraham looked forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. So what, I ask you, is God building? And my second question is, are we helping? Are we sitting on the sidelines? God has placed us. It's not life in America. It's not life in the South. It's not life in Texas. It's not even life in Dallas. It's even more particular than that. It's life in deep Elm. God has placed us in this neighborhood, you see. And we aren't sent here to fix it. Because remember, we're not the architects. How can we fix a place we didn't build? How could we know what it needs? We are not even the contractors or the contract managers. We do not always know what is best for Deep Ellum. But we live in Deep Ellum. We have stayed in Deep Ellum. We have been faithful construction workers so far, 
And we need to look to God to be the architect forevermore. This means that we will build in ways that may not be easily understandable to us at first. It may not always be efficient. It may not be the style we like. It may take some adaptation to build this city with God. But we're here. We're called. We're equipped. One of the waiters in the neighborhood last week, and I will not tell you the name or the restaurant because I do not want to earn the reputation of being the preacher that always mentions the things that waiters say. I don't think that would be good for our new project of being in the neighborhood and being a true neighbor. That, that, that girl, she always talks about you in your sermons. You really can't say much to her because it'll end up online. Lord, but I will tell you this, this, this one thing, this precious waiter who has found belonging in this neighborhood, working at a restaurant while living on the spectrum with autism told me that she does not say she is from Dallas. (laughs) She says she's from Debellum. That is a holy particularity. What is it that makes her say that? And how can we be part of it? That is a location type of faith. That's not a formless void. That's a real place where faith can happen. We can follow her example and get particular with our faith. And this doesn't mean we can't also have a global perspective or that we'll get bogged down in the minute details of the public safety meeting in the neighborhood every week. Although those meetings are important, I'm learning. It doesn't mean that we're territorial as Christians. And it also never ever means that we claim one nation over another. Or we claim the superiority of one kingdom over another. No, 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 no. Jesus never did that. He never wanted the Roman Empire to be his city he was building. But he sure did know that the city he was building would impact the Roman Empire. We have influence, life in Debellum. Don't you know that? I want to tell you a story about our influence. So I was here uh, on Friday and I was, I told people I would work from home and then I realized that my computer charger was here. And so that's going to be the ongoing dilemma. Do I have one at church and at home? I probably need to follow Miranda's example and get one for both. Regardless, I, I came to our site and I walked in and I saw, uh, I saw Ray our mocha manager, and he was tending to um, one of our neighbors who was uh, sitting down and and, um, collapsed in front of our building. And Ray was giving him water. And I said, Ray, what's going on? Is everything okay? And he said, well, I I have to call an ambulance. This, uh, This person's really overheated. And so I stayed and I I watched this all unfold and I watched Ray call the ambulance and I saw the big fire truck come into our parking lot, our very particular place. And I saw the fire and rescue officers come out of the truck and they came up to this gentleman who we will call Mr. B. 
Mr. B hadn't eaten anything in four or five days. He lives on the street and has probably for 12 years, he told the fire and rescue officer. He's one of thousands of houseless individuals in our city. And the fire and rescue officer looked at me and said, ma'am, there's an epidemic of houselessness in Dallas. We don't have enough shelters and the shelters have really strict requirements and they don't always deal in a holistic way with issues like addiction. So people end up on the streets. And then you have things like this heat, okay? Go here with me, you can do it, I know you can. It's really hot out there. And all of us, most of us, I assume, have a place to go. We have air conditioning we can go home to. But Mr. B, you see, doesn't have that. And so he sat on our front steps and eventually got so hot that he overheated. And the fire and rescue officer, I noticed that he had a lot of compassion. And this really impressed me. Okay, because he could have just said, and he did use the word they, like there's a lot of them and they panhandle and then they end up, you know, falling out because it's too hot. And there was a little bit of they that we all do when we talk about people that are different than us. We give them a they. But you know what was different than the they? He actually saw Mr. B for, for who he was in the situation he was in. And he said, you know what? He's really sick. I can tell he's sick. I can tell something's not right. He said, you know, they'll, they are right now overloading the hospitals with them once they get so dehydrated, but then they end up right back out on the streets. This, this fire and rescue officer had compassion, y'all. He saw this human being. And it wasn't just about the situation or the labels or the, the assumptions, right? He saw beyond that into the life of this one precious human being who is loved by God, who is loved just as much as all of us are, who makes imperfect choices just as much as we do, but whose chances are sometimes different than ours. And our faith has told us a lot about choices. If you have good faith, you make good choices. And what I'm interested in is what are your chances? And how do your chances affect your choices? Do they work together? Do they go together in a way that could create life for all? And so I really believe that as we build this city, as we stay in this neighborhood, as we get serious about what it means to be a neighbor, we should think about our faith and always remain compassionate, even when it's hard, even when we have assumptions and differences and judgments. I want us to remain compassionate and reimagine a city, a house that's built on the foundations of Christ's love for all, where you have good chances and you can make good choices. 
And this, my friends, it isn't about politics or ideologies. It isn't a public sector issue or a private sector. It's the Jesus sector. Have you heard of that? It's this other kind of sector. Okay? It's this other kind of world that the more we tap into, the farther we'll get, the more progress we'll make. It's the Jesus sector. And that's what we're interested in. Because if we can have fans on the golf course, there are really large fans on a lot of golf courses that can really cool you down. Okay? When you're getting hot playing golf, you can get fanned down. And we can have sprinklers in our front yards. And we can have showers when we need to bathe. And we can have glasses of clean water. And we can make sure our grass still looks green. If we can do all that, can we not also be sure that the living ones in our front yard have water and do not die on our steps? Because that's what would have happened, this officer said. He said that if this man didn't receive water and medical care soon, he would have died. He would have died right here on our steps. The city of God mediated by Christ is one where choices and chances work together. The rugged individualism of America says that we're all fending for ourselves. But that sounds like a formless void that you could drown in. This new city of God is about partnerships and collaborations and it takes all kinds it takes all of us to create these solutions because god's interested in solutions for things like houselessness not how it gets done or what your ideology is about things but that it gets done that people don't die on our steps in the land of hopes and dreams bruce springsteen sums it up i think He speaks about a land of hopes and dreams. And he says that there's a train that can take us there. He says, grab your ticket and your suitcase. Thunder's rolling down this track. You don't know where you're going now, but you know you won't be back. This train carries saints and sinners. This train carries losers and winners. This train carries whores and gamblers. This train carries lost souls. In this train, dreams will not be thwarted. This train, faith will be rewarded. God loves us so much. And God is with us in this work. We're not doing it alone. So don't hear me say that. But there is work to do. There is work to do. Erica Badu, a bit more located in a music reference who we heard the song from today, went to Booker T. Washington, just down the road. And she sings, after her life experience in this song, she sings this, there will be a brighter day. Even if you grow up in South Dallas and don't have access to opportunities that others do, 
the kind of faith to say there will be a brighter day. And yes, there will be if we have faith to build it. Amen.